Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. So the irony is not lost that I make my living now speaking. The irony is not lost. And it's no surprise that Moses has always been one of my favorite people in the Bible to read about and study, not just because of this amazing leadership ability that God gave him in this moment of history of the Israelites, but because of his stammering, lisping tongue. Now, that's a phrase from a a great hymn we'll talk about here later on in this podcast. But Mrs. Eubanks is a hero for me. In fact, without Mrs. Eubanks, I'm not sure I am doing this podcast today. I'm not sure I am preaching. I'm pretty sure I'm not doing much of anything that uses my ability to speak. So, me doing a podcast is a direct result of Mrs. Eubanks' Time, I mean, incredible selfless time after time effort into helping me overcome a pretty severe speech impediment that was a result, I believe, of being born two months premature, about six, I think it was six weeks to eight weeks premature. So my twin sister and I, Pam, we were number five and number six of a family of six. I'm, I'm the baby. Pam beat me by five minutes. I believe the story goes that there's there's three of the older siblings, and then I think there's a 13-year gap between uh, the youngest of the first set of three and the oldest, Michael, of the youngest of the next set of three. And so the story goes that mom and dad had planned for three kids, but had six. <laughs> so that was the story I heard as I was growing up. Now, I'm not sure if that was just daddy telling me an old wives' tale or what. But regardless, it was true that Pam and I were born premature. Now, back in the day in 1964, when you are born uh, easily six weeks before your due date, maybe even eight weeks, then you are put into an incubator. And I can't remember, I think Pam was, I'm trying to remember the exact weight I believe I was maybe three to four pounds, or I was five pounds, maybe five to four pounds. Pam was three pounds, something like that. So we were tiny, tiny, tiny babies. But in that process of premature birth and incubator, apparently we developed some cognitive issues that, that resulted in a speech impediment. So as a kid, now that didn't stop me from yammering. <laughs> I was still... Uh, Very, very much a talkative uh, young man. uh, Always wanted, um, again, kind of center of attention kind of personality. But that was obviously, uh, I think, in some sense or or another, overshadowed this sense of lack of worth, if I'm really being transparent. Uh, You know, sometimes you, as a kid, you try to get the attention because you don't feel like you have the attention. And, And so whatever the case... I did a lot of speaking, whether or not people understood what I was saying or not, I don't know, because I know that Pam and I even developed our own language at some point as we were growing up in E-Town, Kentucky. Uh, 
So I go into school as a kindergartner, as a, as a first grader, and I don't, there is not a time that I don't remember having Mrs. Eubanks as my speech therapist. So this is back in the day, and I think I've mentioned Mrs. Eubanks before off and on in some podcast or some devoted series, whatever it's my, I know I've mentioned her in sermon series at times, because there are still moments of time where I stumble over my words, and I know everyone might do that. But for me, it really is more of a, a cognitive issue more than anything else, because many times I know what I want to say, and it can't come out. So it's like there's a block, there's a wall. And I remember so clearly from, I think, first grade all the way through, my goodness, I want to say at least eighth, ninth grade maybe, till I was 15 years old maybe. So this is, what, 12 years? 12 years of my school life from, uh, from well, at least maybe 10 years, let's say, you know, maybe 10 years, uh, 9 to 10 years, from age 6 to maybe 15, where I worked with Mrs. Eubanks in a white trailer. So if you remember the, if you can't, if you're back in the day, you remember those white trailers where I was mainstreamed in the class, but I spent a lot of time leaving the class to go into that white trailer that was on the schoolyard somewhere, but it was it was specifically for, and I was I was called a special ed student. I was called a special ed student because I had to be released to work specifically with my speech, and specifically vowels and R's still very much give me problems. I I I kid around sometimes. Uh, if you know the name of the Milwaukee baseball team, the professional baseball team that's in Milwaukee, God bless you. I probably can't say that. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of words with R's and E's and and R's and W's and O's and U's. They really give me a lot of problem. I I, I kid around, as many of you, most of you know, our daughter, our, our oldest daughter, Merritt, is a full-time missionary. Lives in Toulouse, Colombia, and I've been there many, many, many times. And I kid around that I'm fluent in Spanish. Well, anyone who knows me knows I am not. <laughs> I am not fluent at all in Spanish. I think one of the stumbling blocks is I cannot do the vowels in Spanish the way you're supposed to. I know I think it's supposed to be shortened vowels, and I you know here in, a, in our English language there's long vowels, and, but in in Spanish not so much. But whatever and. Rolling the R's, <laughs> give that up. There's no way. I've tried, I've tried countless times to roll an R. All I've done is spit on someone when I've tried to do it. It's great. So there's no way. But I believe that there's that sense of uh, that that impediment, physical impediment, where the language just doesn't come easy for me at times. And I still struggle with a lot of words. There's words that, as I speak, as I talk, I have to be very intentional. On a podcast like this, I don't want to, um, um, because I could do that very easily. So I have to really be conscious of what I'm about to say. I don't write anything down. To, to I've learned over the years that sometimes doesn't uh, it doesn't help me as much as it, you think it would. But I have to be very intentional on podcasts. Now, when I'm preaching and when I'm teaching, there is this anointing. You just can't, I, I cannot not explain it any other way except there's an anointing upon me, I believe, from the Holy Spirit 
that allows me to speak in such a way where many times I would not be able to speak just normally. So in that place and moment of teaching and preaching, I believe the Lord has anointed me to do just that in, in many ways, in similar ways, as Moses. Now, Moses also was given Aaron to be a spokesperson for him because Moses, if you remember, argued with God about being sent because he could not speak. He was not good of speech. He was slow of speech, Scripture says. But back to Mrs. Eubanks. One of the most gracious, wonderful, sweetest persons I've ever known in my entire life. I don't rightly remember too many times where she openly shared her faith with me. Um, I I don't remember that, but there is not a doubt in my mind that she was an absolute lover of Jesus just because she was so Jesus-like. And I remember so many times she would uh, say, God bless you, or praying for you, something like that. Now, I also remember, I think this, I believe, more than once, she would meet me on a Saturday. So this is when maybe doctors made house calls, even teachers made house calls in some sense, or had special days where the students could come and make up work or we were struggling specifically. I remember Pam, I think, my sister Pam had trouble with S's, if I remember. And I used to say all the time, you know, I had trouble with R's, right? So the the joke I would share early on in the ministry when I talked about this challenge of a speech impediment would be that Pam struggled. For Pam, uh, the thun was thining. (laughs) And for me, it was waning. <laughs> so, um, and so I could not do R's. She could not do S's. So together, we literally had a stammering, lisping tongue. Now, today, we both uh, are uh, be able to speak well for the most part. And I think, again, I still challenge. I'm still challenged at times. But here's the thing. I think the challenge for me is not so much physically anymore, right? It's mentally. A lot of times growing up within that, little white trailer again i was labeled a special ed kid and there's another word for that that we won't use it's just a really ugly word it's always been an ugly word but it was used back in the day and i was called that many times going to that trailer because again i was mainstream for a for a time during the day but i was also segregated into that trailer for at least an hour a day if not maybe two hours of that i can't remember the whole length of time But I do remember being called names. And I do remember as much as I loved Mrs. Eubanks and as much as Mrs. Eubanks was helping me overcome not just a physical condition or physical limitation to my speech, she was also encouraging me and helping me become mentally and emotionally sound. But still, it was ripe for the picking as far as being bullied and being picked on and being called names. So I still remember that. Now, you add to that, before I was 13, about 14 years old, 13 years old, uh, I was a chubby, chubby little kid. So I was pretty overweight. I had a burr haircut. I was prone to styes in my eyes. You remember those? Those red, big old red kind of blisters in the corner of your eyes or in in the eyelid, you know? I was prone to those. So here I am. (laughs) Can you imagine the picture now? I've got, in fact, one of my school pictures, I remember had just had gotten a burr haircut. I was a chubby, chubby little kid, and I had a sty that morning for class pictures. And I 
couldn't you couldn't retake pictures in those days, not that I remember. So there it is for all the world to see this very unhappy, very <laughs> very styed, swollen kid uh, getting I think fourth grade, third grade, whatever it was. So my confidence level, let's go there. That's the good that's a good word. My confidence level was lower than ever, especially battling this this speech impediment. And it always has. I, I don't think I've ever been confident in my speech until a certain moment of time, which we'll come to here in just a moment in this podcast. So, but a lot of times, and in fact, I took speech class in high school and college. I forced, I was forced myself to become like a public speaker. I went into newspapers, but newspapers, you didn't have to speak, right? You just had to write. So I went specifically, just like I joined band as a drummer. Why? Because I didn't read notes and I didn't want to learn to read notes. So I joined the band as a drummer. Same principle with journalism. I became a journalist in a large way because I didn't want to have to speak to people. I learned that I could write pretty decently, so I would eliminate the, the need to speak. <laughs> so again, I hope I hope you haven't lost. I hope the irony isn't lost on you as well today, as you're listening wherever you're listening to this. The Lord has led me to do podcasts now. The Lord has led me to do devoted series, uh, devotional, uh, once a week type of videos. The Lord, I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher. I, I, I get to preach at least two or three times a week and m- more times usually because I'm asked to speak at different things. All because of God's anointing. We'll get to that here in just a, in just a, little mo- in just a moment. But again, the, the heart of this is the incredible sense of almost debilitating um, confidence or the debilitating uh, loss of confidence in the sense that I just didn't have any kind of um, real sense that I could speak. And it didn't help. So this continued even into high school. So right after high school, I was a freshman at Elizabethtown Community College. And so I spent two years there before I transferred to University of Kentucky in Lexington. And I spent a couple years there working with um, the, and journalism. Ms. Beth Kahaney, a great professor, wonderful, dear uh, woman that, that I think really influenced me in the, in the professional realm, kind of like a Mrs. Eubanks. In my early years, Mrs. Beth Kahaney helped me with, uh, in journalism and was a great encourager for me. So, but at the time, there's a job at the local radio station in E-Town, Kentucky. And so I actually got that job. It was, I think it was the official title was assistant news director. Basically what I did was type up news reports and gather the news. I I would go out and report on the news and come back and maybe write a little blurb. uh, Writing for a radio station, same but different than writing for a newspaper. Because, again, newspapers, you had a little bit more room to write in radio you had what 30 second clips sometimes and you wanted you had to write just the facts you know dragnet just the facts ma'am just the facts right sergeant friday for those for those old schoolers so so i'm working on at the radio station as the assistant news editor whatever that might mean whatever that meant again for me it was just writing some news stories well the news editor she was sick one saturday morning she calls me and she says, Tim, 
I need you to do the actual newscast on the radio. <laughs> fear of all fears. I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way. She said, I'm sick. I can't come in. Someone's got to do it. So I go in. I'm 18, 19 years old. I go into the radio station and I, I do the radio, uh, the, the news for that morning. Now, what happens, at least at the time with radio, that broadcast is taped so that it's played again on the hour or every other hour, whatever it is, you know, whatever the, whatever the format would be for the radio station. But that was broadcast more than once. So there's live, and then there has, we would say, Memorex, right? But it was taped. It was recorded. Now, people, we would update from time to time, and we would put those little sound bites in to update the news. Let's just say this truly happened. True story. <laughs> I'm doing the broadcast. I'm stammering over almost every word. I am so lacking, and each time I stammer, it's just another blow to my uh, confidence. It's another blow to my sense of any kind of uh, ego at all. It was just, it was a disaster, an absolute disaster. And so at the end of the broadcast, the phone rings in the radio station booth. I pick it up. It is the owner of the radio station. I am fired. <laughs> I am fired. They, they say, you cannot do this ever again. Now, unfortunately, because the news director was sick, that broadcast, because it was taped, had to go like a few times during the day. And I remember hearing that throughout the day on Saturday, thinking, ay, 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 and just reminding me over and over and over, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was fired today from that radio station. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, I promised you a, 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 I led in with a, a short uh, blurb from a hymn. That hymn is, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. And it's one of my favorites for a lot of different reasons because it speaks of the blood and it speaks of uh, whether we're sinners or saints. Uh, I love the very first verse. Sinners plunged beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains. And one of my latest uh, places where I'm being really led by the Holy Spirit to teach and preach on is the difference between sinners and saints. If, if sinners have lost all their guilty stains, then guess what sinners can no longer be? Sinners. They must be saints. That's, again, a podcast for another time because I'm going to repeat that over and over and over until we finally believe the truth of Scripture. But one of the last verses in this song, and it always resonated with me when we would sing it in church. It always resonated with me because this is who and was who I am and who I was. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, there, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. And I just, whenever I would sing that in church, I would think of me because here, I'm the stammering tongue. I'm the one who just can't get words out. But here is the point and here is the heart of the podcast today. Last week, we looked at Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. And 9 and 11, those two verses, just really stand in incredible juxtaposition of each other. But today, I just wanted to come back and look at verse 11 one more time before we move on because it is the verse of my life. It is the verse that is 
the very reason that I'm anointed to preach and teach, the very reason that I'm able to do a podcast, the very reason that I preach on Sunday mornings, the very reason I teach Joshua Center, the very reason I do devoted devo- devotional series, the very reason that I have any power within me at all to speak and to share the gospel is because of the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within me. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And this is the truth, not just the truth theologically, it is the truth exponentially and experientially. It is the truth that is magnified as you continue to live in that power and that place of knowing it is the very third person of God. It is God Himself by the power of the Spirit who lives within you. It is the very one who woke Jesus from the dead, and He is the one who gives you power. He is the one who gives you every kind, every anointing that you'll ever need. I want to kind of focus on this word anointing because I really do believe in in all humility, in all grace, I think I have an anointing to preach and teach. I, I do believe I've come, I've come full circle. I'm 59 years old, guys, and and, and I have been so hard on myself thinking that I'm not good enough or I'm not able to do this. And, but, but I've come full circle to realize that for me to accept that I have a gift of preaching and teaching is not a place of pride. It's a place of great humility because I know from where it comes. It does not. This without the Holy Spirit, this still is a poor, lisping, stammering tongue. This is still a very broken vessel. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, not only am I born again, not only do I belong to Christ, verse 9, but now the power of the risen Christ lives within me and is able to overcome obstacles, able to overcome barriers, able to change mindsets, able to to give me uh, revelation and incredible power to preach and teach. And, And I just know that without the Spirit of God, when I first understood years ago, when I first began to hear about the Spirit of God living within me, you know, I think I've shared this before. I was 33, 34 years old before I was born again. I was 33, 34 years old before I even realized that there really was a third person of a Holy Trinity. And I was at least 34, 35 years old before I began to realize, wait, 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 wait. The Holy Spirit, the third person, God himself in the third person lives in me? Come on. So that should make a tremendous difference. That should make a difference that is transformative in our lives, correct? That should change everything. Now, I understand there's still the power of flesh that continues to, and the power of sin that even though it's dead, uh, we can breathe life into a dead carcass. We can because of our flesh. And there is a battle there. But I just want to encourage you and I want to remind you even of my own life and even thinking back Mrs. Eubanks was placed at such a time where God used her to help me overcome a speech, a physical speech impediment. I still had to battle the mental and the emotional sense of worth and the emotional sense of value that I didn't have any value. And so I come to Christ. I'm born again. Praise be to God. But then there's a process of learning and understanding my identity in Christ. Someone say identity. And But, but then when I finally started grasping the truth, wait, 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 I am and the temple of the living God. That means God no longer lives outside of me. God no longer lives in the building. God lives inside of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
It is crazy to think about. It is the most, it's probably the most supernatural thing that we can ever imagine and ever live into. And I just know that that's where the anointing comes from. Anointing is the power from God that enables us and empowers us to do the work of the kingdom. And anointing is something besides ourselves and beyond ourselves. And anointing is, and I've told my kids before, I've told anyone who would listen, I believe the amount of anointing is directly proportional to the, to the amount of surrender of our lives. The more we surrender to the Holy Spirit, the more anointing we have from the Holy Spirit to do the work of the kingdom and to do the work that Jesus has called us to, to do. And, and I pray for you. I pray for us. I pray for I pray that we will continue to grasp the full knowledge of this verse in verse 11. Chapter 8, verse 11. Romans 8, verse 11. Mark it down. Commit it to memory. More importantly, commit it into your spirit and, and live into that anointing. That the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That should make a world of difference in almost every feasible way and unfeasible, almost every fathomable way. I hope and pray that that has made a difference in your life. I hope and pray you live into the anointing of the truth of Romans 8, verse 11. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.